This podcast is produced by Arts Council England. For more content like this, visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com forward slash Arts Council England. We've just been working with, um, we've been given, it's like a puppy, but and it is just for Christmas, um, a, a, a teacher as a sort of legacy of creative partnerships. And she's actually helping us with our literacy projects. And she's actually sitting with us when we're creating new projects. And what's really fascinating about working with a teacher is, is and this is great for us, because she, she said, I can't get over how you just make, not make things up, we don't make, we create <laughs> things on the hoof. You have to, when you're sort of sitting around, you know how you be creative and say, oh, let's do this, let's do this. And she's going, oh, yes, but what about this? what about this so and she's getting excited because she's suddenly realized how it can help her lessons you can actually do things quickly without having to plan ahead but it's also helping us that we're learning to plan as well so it's a f- really good actually having a teacher you know a pet teacher <laughs> I recommend everybody has one but but the other thing I want to ask and this is think, something I always think about when I'm taking my dog for long walks is when we've done a project and we're really happy with it and we're all going around patting ourselves on the back we do an evaluation and everybody says oh that was fantastic wonderful I love it what I wonder and it suddenly came to me is is why can't we can we evaluate like three months later down the road when things have actually the pennies dropped or something that one thing that you've remembered can happen then can Mm. that I mean, two, two things I'd say and then open that up to everyone. I think the first thing is that we've got to keep clear in our minds the difference between evaluation mm. and continuous improvement of quality because evaluation informs the continuous improvement of quality but the process of evaluation is not necessarily the same process as enabling the continuous improvement of quality because you are, you're looking for different data and you're doing different things with the data. Sometimes they are coextensive. So, for example, to look at what is the quality of the uh, programme of work that you've created might involve triangulating input from lots of different people against some propositions. To evaluate the project might not involve the same thing. You might be looking at something different. So it's just good to keep those, I think, clear in one's mind. I think long-term impact is really interesting. I think, I'm with Francois on this one, that that one has to be really careful about disentangling, monitoring, evaluation and continuous improvement of quality. They are related in a Venn diagrammatic sort of way, but they're, I think, absolutely not the same thing. And I think that the evaluation of, uh, just to be simplistic about it, if you go back to a group of people who've done a thing with you three months later, what you want to find out about is... Do they remember it? Has it made a difference to them? What difference has it made? Or whatever the thing is. Now, you have no control whatsoever for what's happened to them between the last time you saw them and now. And you have no control for what happened to them before you met them. So the suppositions you make about the impact you create are always going to be boundaried. I don't mean, I don't, wouldn't say for a minute that that doesn't mean we shouldn't do long term uh, studies. But I think we've got to be really careful about overclaiming the causality, the connection between what's going on for a person and what they have or haven't done with us. So the approach I prefer to take, and it's it's as much a matter of opinion as anything, is I I prefer to stick with focusing on what we can control ourselves and using long-term evaluation to reflect on that. So talking to participants who we worked with a long time ago or have worked with for a long time, to get them to reflect about us and what we do and in the course of that, 
to hear their reflection and value their reflection on themselves, but more from the point of view of how we improve ourselves rather than making assumptions about how we may have helped or improved them. Because I just think it's an unsafe game. I mean, educational researchers have spent the last 40 years trying to prove the connection between the behaviours of teachers and the successes of young people, and it's an unprovable connection. So we're not going to solve it today either. So I think there's a real useful place for that long term, but I think it's much more about creating a conversation about what can we do better and different. And the we in that can be anybody. It's really interesting how, talking to young people, one of the things we're doing next with our framework is working with young people to uh, filter it again, uh, use it differently, you know, change it, mess around with it. So there's a kind of whole group of young people starting to work with it and see what it means. And I know one of the things that's going to happen is it's going to reveal the elephant in the room, which is often when adults talk about quality, it's a cover for trying to talk about social control of children and young people's behaviours. So often conversations about quality and practice are about quality in the management of the behaviours of children and young people in relation to an experience. And so somebody might see a session as of very good quality if children and young people exhibit particular behaviours, but actually that is about controlling those behaviours according to an adult agenda and it may or may not have anything to do with either benefit or impact or enjoyment or interest of children and young people. So I think that's a, going to be a fascinating exposure. I don't know what we'll find when we open that up, but I think that's going to be a really important place to poke about. Sam, were you about to...? Yeah. It was just that sort of thing about um, quality versus actually uh, the evidence almost because we're talking in the previous thing about actually there's a difference between looking at improving the practice and actually making the case yes. and I was interested in your framework and to what extent you feel you've done any making the case or whether it, it, you're completely on the this is about practice because okay. I would I would assume it would be that but it'd be interesting if there's been any making the case fall out of it I don't use we don't yet use I've got I've got yeah. one of my own I've got my crown of my own <laughs> it's because I'm very important uh, we don't we have not yet used the framework literally itself to make the case. Mm. But what we do is we use what we learn from the framework about the work to improve the work and to make the case. So, for example, uh, we, 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 we had put a bit of the Silver programme, that's our programme with older people, through the framework. And what we learned through doing that was the enormous value that people were attaching to a particular element of the programme and we hadn't really clocked quite how preciously held it was by participants' families. It was a particular thing about working with frail older people and there was an enormous amount of feedback from families about what that meant to them, that their family member was participating in this music making work and what was going on and da 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 da. And I, we knew that everybody liked it, but there was a kind of detail and a depth about that that was insightful for us. So, of course, that we can take and say, we know that people really value this. Look. But that's almost an, uh, that almost falls out of the framework. That's a kind of unexpected benefit of the framework. The actual improvement of the quality I regard as our sort of internal responsibility. And I think there's a danger in saying, look, we've got a quality framework, that means our work is good. I think this is, that's a bit dodgy. I think we have a quality framework and we implement it well means we're paying attention 
to improving our work. We are concerned with our work being good, but it doesn't prove the work is good. And I think that's another a bit of overclaiming that we, we can fall into as a sector. Advocacy, however, is much improved and, more, and made more um, uh, potent by real world stuff by people telling true stories that mean something. So the framework yields us a whole load of stuff that we can then take into the advocacy process. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been very interested in the fact that the evidence we've gathered, I mean, the, the key evidence findings that we've just published are all, are all things like cohort studies, and they yeah. feel quite unrelated, actually, yes. to a discussion about quality. Exactly. And I think that's something that we need to bear in mind. Yes, Ben. ben. Do you, are you kind of evaluating the framework because I was, I, I was I was just thinking you could use the framework to evaluate itself I was just looking through the way I annotated the thing well, and then another question which is which is closely related is and I think you said this before about the three-year cycle how how will the framework update itself or mm. how will you update mm. the frame, framework or so, indeed who will update the yeah, framework? Yeah so at the moment we've got a, a system which I don't think is perfect it's a little bit wobbly but we have a monthly check-in on how we're doing so at a kind of meta level so the senior managers as part of our monthly senior management meeting cycle we go who's 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 working with the framework at the minute what what are we, you know we look at the grid and we go where have you got to what's coming up anything coming up what's you know what's going on and someone might say you know I still can't get this bit I still don't really understand how we evidence this bit and we go oh actually that seems to be a recurring issue so we kind of we're collecting issues that recur in a kind of bit of an informal way but that will need to become a bit more of a scientific process I think and then looking at what we can do about them to fix them or improve them or change them or whatever. Um, in terms of the meta process of evaluating the framework itself there's a couple of things I'm sort of uh, in the middle of the night at two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning I'm trying to do a doctorate and what it's about is the relationship between quality, innovation and inclusivity. So I'm looking at the framework inside that investigation as to how it is or isn't helping us with our objectives about inclusivity and innovation uh, because there are some tensions in that. So there's a little bit of looking at that but the other thing is I want the young people to evaluate it and I'm also going to ask some of our silver participants to evaluate it. So what we're going to do is get groups, probably next year, we need another year to bed it in and then we're going to get them to use the framework on us, if you like, or on itself, exactly, to do that triangulation, which will be fascinating, I think. I've got another question, yep. sorry, which is related to what you just said about bedding in. Bring the microphone back on myself again. Um, how do you how do you kind of induct people into it? How do you persuade people to buy into it when they come into the organisation? Because of, often one of the challenges I think with any kind of framework that is is relatively fixed, um, however kind of standing back it may be, is that it, it there's a there's a it can feel like it's something that's in the past or that it's someone else's or whatever mm -hmm. it is. So so how do new people become ingratiated and convinced into it? Uh, I don't think there's been enough yet to have a sort of definitive sample to speak about. We've probably had a, maybe four or five new people in the last year. Uh, it's part of their induction, uh, by which I mean somebody goes through it with them and then depending on what their job is they're going to have a different relationship with it mm. more or less quickly so if they're a musician they get buddied with somebody they get buddied with one of the trained observers and they get kind of brought into the conversation with their buddy mm. and if they're either in terms of 
what it would be like to be observed or to do observing or whatever that might be. If they're a, an administrator, then they are inducted into what they need to do to support the process. It's contentious with people in the organisation who've been there a long time, not just new people. Mm, yeah. um, actually, you know, it's not about newness or oldness, it's about the degree to which you feel comfortable about sort of exposing yourself as people see it. One of the things we've learned is that it reminded us that we'd lost, we'd fallen out of our original organic habit. You remember I said at the beginning, it was like a kitchen table thing and we were, we, were, we were in and out of each other's worlds from the different roles that we occupied all the time in quite a fluid way and so we'd created a very trusting community of, of, of thought. As we got bigger, we've, it's not just about scale, it's about habit. We've lost the habit, so we've, what we learned is that we've, we needed to recreate or create a new a way that normalised musicians being in and out of each other's work in a kind of informal way and just being around each other's work so that the conversation was natural and organic. So what we've done about that is we've slightly done it, tried, tried to be informally formal. So we've given people kind of, people have chosen buddies or people that they're particularly interested in their work or feel kind of comfortable with or whatever and it's now they go and hang out with each other and look at each other's work according to their own rhythm of life and talk about it in their own way and it's not formal and it's not a management tool and it doesn't feed their CPD, uh, it doesn't feed their you know, professional development planning but it's kind of reminding them that this is so they can use time, they can use a bit of their time to go and do that and so, so that the context for okay now we're just going to shine the torch on this thing, use the quality framework torch and have a look at it, doesn't come out of nowhere. The habit of having a look and having a conversation is is re-normalised because I think we'd slightly people are just off down their thing. They're doing too much stuff and they're doing their thing and they're kind of yes, I'm sure your work's great, but actually I'm doing this, you know. So that's the challenge I think is keeping the whole whole conversation going all the time. Other thoughts? Yeah, someone who's not spoken, Toby, if that's okay. Um, Alma coming from City House. Uh, just to reiterate that is the, the challenge is the really important thing because uh, working participatory arts similar to Toby we have a very small team and working with a whole load of freelance artists who come from yes. different directions the challenge is then to bring these conversations together when sometimes funding is an issue in regards to uh, projects that we run because they are very short based projects so mm -hmm. when you have a, a short based project and you're having to bring an artist from yeah, the outside really and then trying to bring this conversation in relation to what we deliver is is that's the biggest challenge yes. of all and um, um, trying to work through that I think is there is for us as an organization is also a challenge to understand where they're coming from and for them to understand where we're coming from what would help you um, I, th I think uh, I think some conversations we're beginning to have already about having that kind of uh, quality standards in, in regards to what we deliver. Uh, we have evolved as an organisation naturally through those conversations organically. It's, mm -hmm. it's not been something that we've applied, yep. but it's something that's organically, organically come through projects that are long-standing, um, more so rather than short-based projects. So, uh, I mean, we, although we do learn from short-based projects, the long-standing projects have evolved through those just natural conversations we, we've had with partners, with funders, with participants, with artists, and then that kind of informs the projects that we run and, and evolve from this and learn from the mistakes, learn from the great things that have happened as well to mm. be able to do that. But there isn't a standard that mm -hmm. we follow. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, 
kind of going through really through that um, through those points is I think for us it is very challenging, especially in these times, mm. that to be able to continue having these conversations mm. because a lot of the mm. organisations like us who are really reliant on small bits of funding to deliver projects don't have that time to be able yes. to give to artists to have that reflective uh, conversations. Yes. So it is yes. kind of trying to change the, 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 the way funders see us to be able to add that additional time to the projects to be able to have that reflective talks. Yes. And that's really difficult yes. actually. Yes, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to kind of pick up on Alma's point and I think that there's a there's a collective action we can take about that because where at the moment if you kind of put that time uh, the time and space and resources into uh, a bid to do some uh, a particular project and say at the end we're going to have this reflective space and learning whatever it looks like an expensive add-on because people aren't used to seeing it but if we all if we're all doing it then it flips around and says any bid or application or tender that doesn't have that on it suddenly looks weak and that's the kind of collective thing that we can do mm -hmm. and why this idea of a kind of a common thing mm -hmm. is really important in, in that in those things in though in that mm -hmm. place particularly mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. uh, we need there is a collective action problem with that particularly in relation to attracting the resources mm -hmm. to do that mm -hmm. and I think the the opportunity that we've got is around seizing this currently amorphous concept of peer review from the Arts Council and saying actually we want to develop a set of processes around that. How can we uh, use the kind of processes that we've been developing to do peer review on each other locally, nationally mm -hmm. and the, if those become standard sets of processes for any organisation or artist wanting mm -hmm. to do this kind of stuff then it becomes less difficult to get the resources mm -hmm. to do it. Thoughts, reflections, comments on that, or any other point from people perhaps who haven't spoken yet? Yep. Was that you? No, yeah. Oh, you need you need your microphone. Just on that um, thought, and it is slightly different because it is about evaluation. But I did have an instance recently when we were successful in a bid to a funder, and they came back to us and and said, "You need to add in evaluation, and we'll put the funds in, but you have to wow. match it." So, and actually, it's added a whole layer to the project that was and has moved our practice on because it was something that we weren't used to doing and now we will do in the future. So I think maybe there is a shift there. So uh -huh. that's, a, that's a positive story. Thoughts, reflections, quality frameworks, implementing them. Yes, over there. Um, just a, a bit of a question about um, creating a sort of reflective community. Um, how do you go about doing that when you... Um, you get lots of freelance artists mm. from all over the country mm. who come up mm. for a workshop for a mm. day mm. and then mm. go back mm. home. Mm. How mm. Has anyone got any ideas of how you could make that work? Ideas about how you can make that work? Well, Cross-cultural. Well, they've been doing it in London with um, local authority cultural improvement and there's a peer review process, but it's the extent to which we can take what other bits of our sector are using and make them appropriate mm. for cultural learning. But there's quite a lot out there. <laughs> But you're talking about the situation where you don't have your artists in the room all the time. They're all over the shop. So I'm wondering in that situation whether there's something about the not standardising the practice, but standardising the invitation to contribute, standardising the invitation to employment, 
around are you, th you know, questions that you would ask people to speak to you about or respond to you about or consider in their planning or consider in their delivery so that a bit like what Toby's talking about, ev about everybody having the same conversation at the end of the project. So even if you're seeing each person on their own, if you like, you're having the same conversation with each person about the framing of their work. And I don't know in this very modern age whether there's a kind of, whether you could create a community of the artists you work with, an internet community that was about debate and dialogue about the practice and about the quality of the practice and maybe make that a little bit of a condition of how you engage or employ them, that they make some contribution to that at the end of the project or the beginning or something, just to stimulate that sense of... of My experience is people want to do it. My experience is musicians, in, which is mostly what I work with, but we also work with writers and dancers, that they they all want to make the work better. Everybody wants to make the work better. You know, they don't always want to do it the way you want them to do it, but they want to make it better. So invitations to do that, my experience, are warmly responded to, not rejected. Other, yeah. The way we do that within our artists, like you said, we do have long projects and very short projects. It's actually in the contract. It's actually to be part of the evaluation. To, to give feedback um, all the time, whether it's very short feedback or, or a longer feedback through the project, it is part part of the contract and is uh, something that's talked about from the beginning of the project as briefed then passed on through the end. So they are aware that they have to contribute uh, in some form or another. So we, we do evaluation forms which the freelancer has to answer a set of questions, but I don't. I don't feel like that necessarily, that it feels a bit like they, they know they've got these questions that they answer every time, but there isn't a kind of a culture of maybe thinking about developing the work, because a lot of them are already very highly developed. You might, change, you might look at, at thinking what the questions are, and you might ask your artists what questions would be more useful in driving a conversation about quality and see what questions they would think would yeah. help to progress and, and doing that it, agenda. And, and doing it as a conversation rather than as a form as well is... Because people like, people like talking and reflecting about this mm. stuff. They don't necessarily mm. like filling in forms about mm. it. Mm. Uh, is the fact that it seems to be driven by a number of people yes. and you've got a number of people contributing to that process, whereas I'm in a similar situation to you as a small company, it'll often fall on one person to be driving the evaluation. I always have the great fear that I'm pushing an agenda of my own through that work and to a certain extent you know it's my reflections that are dominating the reporting of this uh, we put together a quality and risk framework for a while and i just found i was cutting and pasting similar statements throughout those projects because you can't, it comes part of your process of getting something out to share it and get some reflections back but i didn't find that it became a particularly valuable process because of that thing and I think what you're describing by bringing in lots of people to drive and deliver on that mm. side of things you can have somebody overseeing that but getting other people to actually complete the framework mm. at various stages would be really valuable but finding ways to do that within and even for small, small organizations <coughs> my hunch is you would get a warm response from partners from participants from you know your boards or your stakeholders to forming a community to help you do that without it necessarily costing you vast amounts of money or taking vast amounts of time. Because I think people want to be in the conversation. That's my experience. And I think there's a kind of an unexpected um, 
richness that you can get by turning the question around and rather going, how am I going to do this? By saying to the people that are involved in your work, how can we do this? You know, how can we do this rather than how am I going to do this? And you get amazing things back in my yeah. experience. Yeah, I mean, we, we generally find the conversations always very strong, but yes. it's the process, oh. managing a process behind <laughs> that and making it a consistent yes. model is where I actually struggled because yes. of the, it just becomes replicating a model yes. rather than getting yes. a good conversation. Yes, yes. So no answers, but lots more questions. <laughs> Thank you for your participation. I hope that was useful. Thank you. This podcast is produced by Arts Council England. For more content like this, visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com forward slash Arts Council England.